0: Okay, I think let's start. Today's shir is Leilu Nishmas Avram ben Peretz and Ruvain ben Leib Ido. May their memory be a blessing. And uh, today's daf is Daf Kufay. We're on the second line of the Daf Kufay, with Aleph 105A. So just the last point of the mention of the Mishnah, we mentioned Kosav Ois no trikon Rabbi Yoshua ben B'sair Machal V'Chachomim poetry. If he writes so one letter as an abbreviation. Rabbi Yoshua Ben-Baseira Be- Rabbi, Rabbi ben Be- says he's chai, and the Chachomim says he's exempt. It does, because grand, the, the question is, it, it's one letter, but it represents a whole word. So now the Gemara is going to go and bring a few different examples in the Chumash, where we see droshes based on what we call a, no, a nutricon. Um, I translated Nutrikon as a... Um I translated it as an acronym, but really it's any contraction. Well, um it could be a one letter standing for a word, an abbreviation, an acronym, etc. So carry on. So I am Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Yosi ben Zamra. Rabbi Yochanan said, "In the name of Rabbi Yosi ben Zimra, Minai in lelosh on notrikon, Minatayra where we found this language, this type, this use of notrikon in the Tairah. Shenemar, as it says." Hashem says to Avraham, you're not going to be Avram anymore. You'll not be Avraham because I've made you as a father of the multitudes of nations. Now, uh, now this Av, I have made you a father from the nations. Each word from those two, each letter from Avhamon is going to be a... A title that Hashem has given Abraham. I've made you a father to over the nations. I've made you the most chosen amongst the nations. I've placed great love on you from the nations. I mean, interestingly enough, we almost see the opposite by Avram. I guess maybe Avram's different, but by Jews we see the opposite. But maybe maybe Avram is different. I guess he is quite uh, well accepted amongst most religions. Um, But he's got lots of love... From the nations I placed the amongst you maybe the translation is you 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 have extra love. And then the nations. Melech nasit I place you as a king over the nations. Vosik I've made you the most distinguished of the nations. Nemo you the most I've made you the most faithful, reliable amongst the nations. And Rabbi Yochanan, so so that's one example of Notrikon. It says Avhamon, and each of those stand for a title, a a level of distinction that Hashem gave Avram. Rabbi Yochanan diday, or Rabbi Yochanan gives another one. It says Anochi Notrikon. Anochi is also a Notrikon. This is the Anochi Hashem Elokecha of the, right at the beginning of the Aseres Adibros, I am Hashem your God. Now the question is why? How the, he knows it's in a narchikon seems to be because why doesn't it just say ani hashem Why does it spell it out? So he says it's in a it Says, "Ana nafshi k'siva yahi, I have. Uh, so aleph nun Chof yud stands for "ana nafshi." I myself yahivis, have given you what I wrote, wrote it and given have, have given it to you. I wrote the lufis myself. Rabbanan and Rabbi say. Amura ne ima Anochi stands for a pleasant statement. I is written, yohiva and given. Iket Omri Amri and Samson Anochi lemafrei. Actually, the Anochi must be read the opposite way round. Ayyud chof nun aleph. Yehiva ne ne'manim Amoreho. I have given you a teaching. I have given you what I have, what is written, and the uh, statements are reliable. Okay, a little... Uh, the, the commentaries discuss what's these levels of uh, of what Hashem said in regards to that He's given the Torah, that He's written the Torah, and the, the statements. But I think let's go on. The Bin Ossam Omri, another example of a Notre Dame says, Ki for your way is contrary to me. Now that's when Bilam was riding with his donkey, and his donkey stopped. Now, what does yora... What does it mean? It doesn't mean that... Um, Bilam's way was contrary, It says it must be referring to donkeys. So Yorats, right. so it says Yorah, the donkey was afraid. He sensed something in the path, in the path, blocking him. Rasa, then he saw it. He saw the angel standing there, ready to kill them, and not so. That's why he turned off the road. So that's, what, that's how we know, that's what happened with the donkey and that's what the angel... Because he saw the angel standing before him and Bila. Another example of a Notricon is Carmel. This is mentioned by the Bikurim and a few other places. So what does mean? Carmole, when the grain is still whole. You still want it moist before it started to dry and shrink. When David, um, David mentioned that he gave me a, a very severe curse... Now what's an So that's not Trikon is a a, uh, a an abbreviation for an acronym for Noifu. This person called David Amelech an adultra. Why did he call David Amelech an adultra? Because of what happened with Bacheba. Mo'avi, who is from Moav, because his grandmother was from Rus, was Rus from Moav. Ruksa, who is a murderer, he called Uri he caused Uriah Chiti to die. Soirer, who is an oppressor, to who and his abomination. So that's why David was telling his son Shlomo um, he must deal with Shimi Ben for giving them um, this Klala Nimretes. Rav Nacha Ba Yitzchak says, The sons of Yaakov said to Yosef when they, had the, when they were found stealing, He says, What can we say and what can we do to prove our righteousness, our innocence? So Nitzadok is an acronym for Nachaini Manachnu. We're upright, tzadikim Manachnu. We tzadikim, tahiri Manachnu. We tahor, dachim Manachnu. Innocent, kadoshim Manachnu, and we kadosh. Okay. So those are examples of where we find acronyms in the Torah. Um, I imagine why the Gemara is bringing this is to prove that maybe acronyms are normal. And there, if you write a word with one letter. As a, a, a acronyms and abbreviations, not chicken or normal. And if you maybe, um, I was wondering, maybe it's a support for even though we generally don't Paskin like, uh, actually don't remember how we paskin, but it seems as a support for uh, for the opinion that says you I mean, we paskin like like chachamim that it, but we see here that they could be considered normal. Um, carrying on with the last mission of the Perik. If someone writes two letters in two lapses of awareness, one in the morning and one in the afternoon, Rabun Gamliel says he is chayev. And the chachomim say he's exempt. Now we know, generally, what we're going to, the Gemara is going to ask what the machoikas is based on, but this is, we know, to be liable to a korban chatas, you have to do the whole shir of the maloche in one haloma. What happens if you did half the shir in one half and half the shir in another haloma So he says, what are they arguing in? Rabun Gamil Sovra Ain says there's no yadir to half a shir and Rabonan Sovra Yesh Dilhatishir. We do say there is a Yadir to half a shir. I remember as soon as you're aware, so let's say he wrote, he forgot it was Shabbos, so he wrote in the morning. He was trying to record something, and he, started, he wrote a letter in the morning. Then he realized it's Shabbos. So that's a, that, in a way, is that's the idea. And then later on in the afternoon, he forgot what Shabbos again, and he wrote another letter. Now, generally, if he would have written two letters, and then had a yadir, then he would, be, he would it would be a Yediyah, and he would be a and Chattas. And when later on in the afternoon, he has another yadir, he would be exempt. Sorry, he would be a separate common chattas. But Tosius explained that according to Rabban Gamil, the postdoc says, He knows about his chattas. Here he hasn't done a sin because he only wrote one letter. Remember, the sin or the issue that you have a chattas is, only when you write two letters. So the idea on half a letter doesn't count as the idea. That's how he learned. But the Chachamim would argue, the Rabbanan argue and say, no. It is a yidir. It's two different lapses of awareness. And therefore you can't say that you Chaya for both of them. Um, just an interesting point. I'll the Mishnah mentions. If you if you wrote one letter in the morning. And one letter in the afternoon. So Rashi says. Even if he didn't have a Yedir by time, by the fact that he wrote them so far apart. Must be considered two separate yadirs. Tossos come along and say that can't be. Because if that's the case. That if you do half a Malacha at one point in time. And half a Malachah at a later point in time, to the degree that we kind of expect you to have had a Yedir. It says, if you had a Yedir, we should find the Tanah somewhere mentioning how long that time is. Is it 10 minutes? Is it half an hour? Is it from morning to afternoon? How long were you discussing? So tos rather saying, no. What it means is, just, obviously you had to have an actual Yedir. He had to realize between them that it was Shabbos, or that it was also to write on Shabbos. He had to have a yadir. That's where the discussion is. Oh, why does it mean Shachris and, and the morning and afternoon, just to emphasize that um, how far apart it can be and still be one Yadiyya and still be your one haloma according to the Rappodin. Okay, hajran ala hapoyne, hajran ala hapoyne, hajran ala hapoyne. Duff, um, new um Rabbi Elezer Omer. Rabbi Elezer says, now we're going back to discussing weaving. So Rabbi Elezer Omer ha'orek, shalosh khutim betkhila, wa'achas ala'orek chayov. Rabbi Elezer says, if you're starting a garment and you weave three threads, then you're liable. If it's a garment that's already partially made, if you just add one thread, you're liable. shu'ra And the Chachamim say, no. Anytime you weave, it doesn't matter whether you're just starting to make the garment or whether it's a half garment, anytime you add two threads, you'll be liable. So Ken Lezer came along and said, three threads if you're starting a garment and one thread if you've already started the garment. And the Chachamim say, no, either way it's two threads. nirim, if someone makes two batein nirin i'll explain the that shortly or benirin whether he does it through the style of nirin or koyres of a or whether he makes these um nirin in a serve two different types of sieves or a basket chayev he's liable b'hat toifer b'ez someone who Sews two stitches, or he tears on condition to sew. Uh, sorry, Almanas by or he tears on condition to sew two Tfiros. Okay, so let's just uh, the Gemara now go going to analyze the first point of the Mishnah that Rabbi Lezer said. It's three. If you're starting out a garment, you have if you like, only once you've woven three threads. Whereas according to the, um, and if you if it's a, if you just add one thread onto ready woven garment you chayev, so he says. Kiyasa, Tani, taught regarding that. So he said in the name of Rebbe Lezer, you only chayev if you do two threads. I saw but our Mishnah said three. I saw what does Rebbe Lezer hold? In our Mishnah, Rebbe Lezer says it's two, it's three threads, and in another Mish and it's three threads and elsewhere he says it's two threads so he says mm-hmm. it depends whether we're dealing with thick, thick threads or thin threads and Omri Lala Haikisa for Omri Lala there's an argument of which one you say it which one needs three threads and which one needs two threads to be lab, um, weaving two threads or weaving three threads says so Omri Lala Haikisa Alimatlase loisri tre sosri. If maybe if you have thick threads, then if you just have two they will unravel. So you're only liable if you do three threads. Three lead. Katini tre nami loisosri. But maybe with two threads, if it's thin threads, then you're liable even if you just do two because it will not unravel. The omri lola ha'ikis. i some said it the other way around. Katini Tlasa, yeah. If you do if you're working with thin threads, then you're only liable if you do three stitches because then it's conspicuous uh, conspicuously, then you can see what you've done try loyadi but if he only does two threads with thin threads he's not going to see what he's done so it's not considered significant lima, try Namiode, but if with thick threads obviously if he does two he would be chayav. If someone weaves three threads at the beginning, or one starting a garment, or one he adds one thread to a, a cloth, he would be liable. The Chachamim say no. Whether he adds, whether he's just starting out in the garment, or whether he's adding to a, a, a garment you've already started to weave, it's always two threads. Over but on the hem of ofering it's two threads along the width of three botaerin. basically what that is saying is some to end off the garment they used to sometimes stitch it to the remember, We've discussed this in the past. It's actually, I saw and I was, last night when I was looking, I saw Scroll have some nice diagrams at the back of the weaving process. But remember how they used to weave is they tie, basically tie warp strings along that's the length of the garment. And those are almost fixed in place except that they pass through a frame that lifts up the even numbers. And then when they press a pedal or manually do it, it lifts up the odd numbers. So that when you threading, instead of going up and down, up and down, weaving through the thread, you just pick up all the odd numbers and put the thread through and then move the odd numbers down and the even numbers on top and move the thread through. And it's the equivalent of going up and taking the thread and going up and down, up and down. It's just much quicker. So that's uh, that's the general weaving process. Now what the, the threads, the warp threads, again these are the ones that are that you're not weaving through, that are left in place, just lift up or down, those pass through what's called Nirin, botte nirin, or heddle eyes—they little rings that those threads pass through on the frame, and then the and then when the frames picked up, the threads in those rings get picked up, or the threads in the other, or the odd odd numbers, even numbers, it would be like that. So that's the botte nirin, those where the threads are passed through. Now at the end of the garment. Um, so, what we're discussing here is right at the end of the garment. If you have three botanirin, right? so really it's three warp threads long, and you just go across that twice, you're kind of making a hem around the garment. You're not doing the normal thread all the way through the garment, back and forth all the way through the garment. You're just doing it right at the end. So, he says if you do the shofa at the hem, if you do two, th- two threads along the length of three, bot, sorry, two threads along the width of three botanirin, basically three warp threads, three heddle eyes, Um, you would be chayev. Oh, what is this considered, what's this similar to? What melacha, it's too insignificant, it's just the edge of a garment. So he says, no, this would be for someone making the smallest size belt, they would make it, three warp threads long three botai nirim over two gut in two threads then the Moses are, oh, and then in that price we brought the, the price has started with that if someone weaves three threads starting a garment or one adds one thread to an already woven garment high of He's liable. Stomach Rebeleza. That anonymous opinion is Rebelazer as we saw in our Mishnah. And Tanya Irih, we have another bright switch teaches, if someone adds two threads to a large cloth, Ma'ala Imra or to the border he's liable, Rebelazar Oimera even if he just adds one. Again, this is the mafloikas that we saw in the Mishnah. Ribleza holds it. if you have cloth that you've already started to weave even if you just add one thread you chayev. where's the khachomal two? It says, and as you mentioned, at the edge on the hem, if you just add two threads across three warp threads, you would be liable. Ho lama is domawax is similar to why is it a significant melocha, la ore tiltul katan sneikut malroichev gimobotanirim someone making a small belt would be three threads wide. Would, would be three threads wide so as soon as you go three threads wide and you do your stitching you're, you weave it across those three threads twice you'd be liable and the Mishnah and this which said Ory, chutzin ala gats, ala mirah, that whether you add two threads to a large that even if you, if you add two threads to a large cloth or onto the hem, you would be chay, stomach, rabbon, and that's like the rabbon. Okay, that's all just different prices. That's analyzing and clarifying the opinion of Rebbe Lezer and the chachomim. So basically, it comes out as follows. The general, the chachomim always hold, to be liable for weaving, you have to weave two threads. Again, remember, it's two threads across this warp thread. Now, Rebbe Lezer has a whole complicated system. He says if it's in normal thread, well, he says it makes a difference whether it's thin thread or thick thread. If you st- and it's where you're starting a garment. If you're starting a garment, it, requires, it depends whether it's thin or thick, requires two or three threads to be liable. And if you are adding just one weave to an already woven garment, or a largely woven garment, you'd be liable. And Tos just point out obviously if it's the last thread, even the Raponan would hold you liable because of makepapatish, finishing it off. But so even in the middle, you're in the middle of the garment, the to beleza, if you just add one thread you chayev. Okay, now the Gomorrah the Mishnah mentioned if you do two botanirin, or you do whether it's Bani or Bakiros, I, those are all different types of weaving. So the Gomorrah is going to just discuss the different types of weaving. It's hard for us even to picture the standard type of weaving. Never mind these different types, but I'll try. So, firstly, as I said, the standard type of weaving we discuss is where you have two frames with heddle R's in the middle. They're basically rings held in place. Um, the one frame you'd pass all the odd number threads through, thread number one, three, five, 3, etc. And on the other frame which is basically just in front or just behind that second, the first frame, you would pass all the even numbers. 2, 4, 6, etc. And then, so then you have your threads like this, all uh, in line with each other, and when you move the loop, it picks up all the odd threads. So you can just pass the cloth, the, you can pass the weft thread, it that's the weaving passing it through instead of having your threads like this and going up and down up and down up and down to weave it through you just pick up all the odd numbers and pass them through then you put the odd numbers down and you'd pick up the even numbers and pass it through like that so that's the standard type now we're going to discuss two slightly different types. Am I been nearing? What do we mean in the nearing process? Tarti babate Neera, Bechada says this is where you do two threads through the near and one uh, uh, two threads around the warp thread to make it a near, to make it hold the thread, and one around the near. I.e., what are you doing here? Um... Which, um, how Rashi seems to explain it is that one of the ways of weaving, not with the frame like I told you, but you have a bar, a pole and you take this thread that you're going to use as the near and you would lower it and you'd wrap it twice around the warp thread and then once around itself and then attach it up to the bar again and then go down. To the next thread, wrap it twice around that thread and once around itself and up to the bar again. It's, and do that for all the odd or even numbers. And that way, by just taking one string and wrapping it around all the warp threads, you've created a near. You've created these little loops that pick up the strings. So that's what he's talking about. My Bikirois, another one we mentioned was Bikirois, my my Omarav Mutsuvisa, with the head of frame. It seems to be similar to how I described the initial way of doing it. Okay, for tofa based firos, we mentioned in the Mishnah that if you stitch two stitches, there's hot tchnine ba avas melochas, va based firos. We already talked a few prokim ago when we listed all 39 melochas, the one meloch we mentioned was someone who stitches two stitches. So why does it mention again? No, mi the misni seifa, va kore amanas It wants to mention in the sefer someone who tears on condition to sew. That's based firos, two firos. Kitaninami. Hatoyfer so v'koreas, and therefore, by the way, it teaches hatoyfer and v'haKoreya. Aha, nami tenina ba'avos melachas, but Koreya was also taught in the avos melachas. No, it says elam yishum dekaboy lemisniseifa Koreya b'chamosa va'almeiso yishum hachiktani hatoyfer shtei tviros. Yira, right. actually, this that Al Mishnah ends off discussing if you stitch, if you sew two stitches. Or you tear on condition to sew two stitches, we already know that information. Why is it brought there? To introduce what we're going to see just over the page, the new Mishnah where it discusses tearing for different reasons. Where in the Mishkan do we ever find that someone would tear on condition to sew? So he it says the of the kikista. It's where sometimes it gets made into a pocket. I, when you if you're sewing the material if you're sewing a, st- a, a thread along the material sometimes it will bunch the material then it will get folded over and look like a pocket if you miss a miss stitch and then you're going to end up with a, a gathering in the material that's kind of like a pocket in the material so what they would do there is they would tear it apart the stitches and sew it again so what's the minimum size to be liable for that tearing Two stitches. Okay, next, Mishnah. Um, top of Kuf Hayamud is top of 105B. It says, If you tear out of anger, or you tear because you are um, grieving for the deceased, you're tearing in mourning, and any act that is mechalkal is exempt. Why? Because remember, the Torah says, or well, we know that you only have for Malecheth Mach a well thought out action. If it's destructive, it's not considered a significant action. So therefore, you'd be Potur. If you damage on condition to repair, the measurement is the same as Kematakin. And that would be so, like, just for let's just take somebody example. If you're tearing out of anger or you're tearing to mourn, that's destructive and you'd be Potur. But if you're tearing, to re-sew, how much you have to tear to be liable? The same amount as you would be liable for sewing. I had two threads. Sheir hamel. Okay, now next a few other malachas. There's minimum shear, sure hamel and Someone who whitens wool, or combs the wool. But he dyes it. he spins it. Spins it. What's the minimum sheir? Twice the length of a mole sit. A sit is the difference between the forefinger and the middle finger. So, so how much thread do you have to whiten or die, etc. to be liable? That length times two. And also if someone weaves two threads the length of a sit. Uh, you don't have to necessarily weave across the ho- all the warp thread. You just have to go across a sit's length and you would be chayev. Okay, now we're going to go back to the first point of the Mishnah. The Mishnah started off by saying if someone teared out of anger or if he teared over his deceased, he would be exempt. Very many, there's a contradiction. If someone tears in their anger because they're mourning for their deceased, they would be liable. Oh, our Mishnah said... If you tear out of anger or mourning, you're exempt. This Mishnah comes in and says, you, this pricer says you're liable. It says, And you know what? And even though you translate Shabbos, you still fulfill your kriya. Right, we know there's a mitzvah to do kriya for a relative, and we're going to actually see this tomorrow for other people as well. A mitzvah to do kriya. Um, if you did the kriya on Shabbos, granted you've broken Shabbos according to this bribes, you are yoytzeh. Your Kriya, you don't have to do another Kriya, kriya. you don't have to do another tear after Shabbos. Okay, so the Gemara wants to deal with our contradiction, so we're going to start off with discussing mace. It says, No, the Mishnah which says you, the Brysa which says you're liable is where it's your mace, it's one of your relatives who you're obligated to do Kriya for. Whereas the Mishnah which says you Potter is you just did Kriya over another mace, and that's that's not that's not constructive. It's not for any purpose. So therefore, it would be potter on Shabbos. Of oh, a whole but the Mishnah says his mace, implying it is a relative. you're right. It is your mace who you're responsible to bury, but not one of the relatives you're obligated to mourn for. We know there's a specific list of seven relatives that you're obligated to do kriya for, and then there's a whole but. The person next in line is obligated to bury the person. So this is discussing someone who did Kriya for a relative, for someone who feels close to, maybe let's say a cousin or something, but not a relative. There's no obligation to do Kriya and therefore he's exempt. So that's who we're talking about. But you can't say that as a general rule because if he's a Chacham, you're obligated to do Kriya. The Tanya, as we learned in a mission, in a brayser, Chacham uh, Shemais Hakol Kroyvov. If a sage dies, everyone's his relative. Hakol Kroyvov. Salterad. You think everyone's his relative? No. He says Ella Ema Hakol Everyone is like his relative. I Kairin Olav. Hakol Cholzin Olav. call Mavrin Olav Everyone does kriya over the mace. Everyone bears their shoulder. They used to do when they were following the. Or carrying the deceased to the to bury, they would bear their shoulders by the kriya, by the tear. So they would also do that for a chokum and they would eat the mourners' meal that they used to eat in the street. They used to have a meal in the street that the that people would provide the mourners with food. So that they used to, so for a chochum, you do that. So so Al Mishnah, which says, if you tear out of anger for your deceased, it's problematic to say we're dealing with just any relative. Firstly, so it's obviously not a relative you're obligated to do kriya. But it's even difficult to say it's another relative. Because if he's a chocham, you're obligated. It says, Loy It must be a case where this relative is not a chochum. But even if he's just an upright Jew, and some learn where you, whose, whose presence you're in, you're obligated to do kriya for him. Titanya, Mipnai Mames, an upright Jew, someone who you don't know did any Averas, and as far as you know, he tried to do all the mitzhs and he did all the mitzhs that he had to do. So even for him, you're obligated to to keep to tear Kriya for him. Titanyas we learned in a Brahza Mipnai Mames in Bonov of Nosov. Shall Adam Kashem Katanim. Why do one's sons and daughters die when they're young? Kadeshi Yivchavisaval Odom Kosher, so that he will mourn cry and mourn over a Adam Kosher, an upright Jew. It says, Kadesha, you've got that, he will cry. Are we taking a guarantee from him? This just doesn't make sense. You basically said someone's children will die so that they will cry what do you mean? And if they do cry and mourn for an upright person, then they'll get their children back. They can't be punished for the future. It says, no, what it means is... He says, no, what it means is... says, no, what it means is... If someone did not cry, did not mourn appropriately for a kosher Jew, then his children will be taken from him. And, the, and it teaches further that anyone who does cry over an autumn kosher... They forgive him for all his sins because of the cover that he's giving that person. So Lois Trichad Laavod Om Kosher right, Our Mishnah is obviously not an Adam Kosher. Okay, fine. And if, if you were there at the time that the neshamah departed, you're also obligated to do kriya. If a person standing by a deceased. At by a person at the time of the Neshama leaves, he's obligated to do Kriya. Lamaze doime. what's it similar to? The Torah, She to a sefer Torah that is burnt. And we learn elsewhere that if you're there when the sefer Torah is burnt, you must do, uh, um, you must do Kriya. So, okay, you're right, so we're dealing in a case where he wasn't there at the time of death. So basically, we started off with the question, if someone, the Mishnah says, if you do kriya over your mace, you're exempt, even though you did tearing on Shabbos. The briser comes along and says, no, you have So said, no, well, the Mishnah is a specific case, that's why you're exempt. It's a case where it's not your relative. It is someone you obligated to be involved in burying. That's why it's called mace or his mace. But it's not a relative you're obligated to bury. It's also, he's not a Talmud Gachom or a Odom Kosher because then you're also obligated to do kriya, and uh, also the person you weren't there at the time of death, because then you're obligated. In that case, the doing kriya is completely destructive, and that's why you exempt, you your own Shabbos. But yeah, in most other cases, when you're obligated to do kriya, then it serves a purpose, and it would be constructive, and you'd be chah for doing the kriya on Shabbos. Okay, now the Gemara points out, it says, Okay, fine. So you've explained the difference between someone who's, the, the contradiction in the Bryce and the Mishnah between someone's deceased, if he does clear 4. But what about if he tears out of anger? The Mishnah said, if he tears out of anger, he's Chayev, he's Potur. And the Bryce says, if he tears out of anger, he's Chayev. So how do we resolve that? He says, "No, anger it's not a contradiction because the one is Rebbe Yehuda and the one is Rebbe Shimon. The price is Rebbe Yehuda, who says, melachosheh, shaykh, lakufa, you chayvo and Hor Rebbe Shimon, the mission is Rebbe Shimon, da'amah, melachosheh, shaykh, lakufa, patur That that melachosheh, uh, shaykh, lakufa, you exempt on. Remember, we learned this, we've discussed this a few times in the Masechta, let's just go with Rashi's approach. If you don't do the melachosheh because you want the result for the positive act, act of why you're doing the result, it is considered for example, he said, if you have a mace in the home and you want the mace out of the house because either the smell or you don't want the tummy in the house you having a kohen for lunch and you want him to be able to come into the house whatever the reason is, there it's not because you want to move the mace into Rosh Hashanah it's because you don't want the mace, you want to save yourself from this situation so so to yeah, if he's Tearing in anger, he's not tearing because he wants the garment torn. He's tearing to rid himself of the anger, to relieve himself to calm himself down, so therefore it's a Malach Hashem Gufa. So Rabbi Huda holds you half of Malach Hashem Shrechel that must be the bracer. And the Mishnah must be Rabbi Shimon. Okay, this is all very well according to Rabbi... We know Rabbi Huda says this but who says that? Rabbi Huda says this but The explanation for this is at least for the case by... For example, by the case of the corpse, at least when you've got the corpse outside of the house... You've got what you want. You've got a tome, you've got no tumay in the house, or you don't have that bad spell in the house. So it is constructive. It might not be because you want to do the maloch, because you want to get yourself out of that situation, but at least it's constructive. Whereas tearing your clothes, all you're left with is a torn shirt. <laughs> you've achieved, you have nothing tangible, you have nothing good to show for your act. So who says that? Rabbi says there, you'll be chafa maloch, shayn shrikh alagufa. So, um so to No, this is considered constructive because he satisfies his yet His Yat is making him angry. He tears his shirt and he calms down. So he satisfied his anger, and that's why he is khab. It is constructive. So the you're not allowed to do that, yeah. it's actually also he says what if someone tears his garment out of anger or breaks his kalim in anger, or he throws away, scatters his money in anger, you should view him as someone who served up his Zorah. that's how the Yat Zahora works. Today he says, do this. I get you a little bit worked up, a little bit angry. And then the next day he says, why don't you do this a little bit further? Until he says, okay, go to Avodazara. And this person will go and do it. That's one of the key strategies of the eight is to get you angry, lose control. And as you're losing control, and as you get more, in, I guess, caught up in your mind with these issues. The Yetz, you're easier and easier for the Yetzirah to lead you astray. So someone who gets angry is viewed as yet So how can you say tearing your clothes is constructive? In a way, it's it's, it's a Zorah to tear your clothes out of anger. So it says, no, Omer, and Omer, I mean, my crow, Where do you see this in the post? So it says, lo el-zor You shouldn't have in yourself a strange God, and you shouldn't bow down to a strange God. It says, What's the strange God that you have in your body? The Yetzahora. So if you give in to your Yetzahora, you're allowing Him a seat in your heart. So again, so what? So no, so how do we understand? No. The positive, the constructive is where He does it to place fear on His family. As we'll see now, says, As we'll see now, there's certain times where a person is allowed to get angry Not feel angry, but display his anger. Certain things are getting out of hand at home, and he needs to show strong disapproval, so he pretends, he puts on an act to be angry, so that people are scared and they take action. That's what we're referring to. Um, So that's constructive, because there it's for Chinuch, it's for education, it's for guarding, it's for Musar, Tochachah, but again, Chas for Shalom to say that he actually gets angry. And Kihod Rav Yehuda Shalif Mitzvah Rav Yehuda would pull out threads of his garment. Something insignificant but looks like he's furious. Rav Athabar Yaakov Mani He would break something that was already broken. Again, he doesn't want to be destructive. So to make his family think he was angry he would take a chipped plate and, or a cracked plate and throw it on the ground in anger. You know, something like that. Rav Sheshes Romi Leila Amsei um, Rav Sheshesh threw a cloth at his maid's uh, maid servant's head. Rav Abba Tovar nachtama, and Rav Ada um, broke a lid of a cup. I, again, insignificant act, but to show anger. Again, Chaz was shown to say that they actually felt anger, because that, as we said, is the root of avodzara anger. Um, but it's actually, but they would display anger. Hey, um just a very interesting idea on this um Chaim Vital that 's the primary student of the Arizal, He is a safer called Charik Dusha, which is a guide to to reach prophecy to reach the level of a prof of Naavour of Ruach HaKodesh. and uh in the in the beginning he 's speaking about how um actually he says like i mean it 's a broad question and a big discussion, one worth having at some time. Oh, so what I was saying is uh, um, oh, so he's, speak, he's speaking about the path to Novoir, and he says that actually he says, we find a few like very like seemingly far-fetched statements, like, "If you get angry, it's as if you serve Zorah if you're arrogant, it's as if you deny Hashem, uh, a few things, and he says, he says, that's because Midos, these good character traits. These things that are at the root of our heart are actually the foundation of our entire being. And therefore, if we have bad midos, like someone who has anger issues, well, then everything built on that is faulty. So even the mitzvahs that he does, to a chas for shalom, sadly to say such a thing, have, a, let's call it a pagam in them, have a blemish in them, because they built on a cracked, broken foundation. So that's why he says that's why we find these statements like this that if you get angry, it's as if you serve served a Zora. It's not as far-fetched as you say. It's because someone who can who gets angry like this da, is missing um, all their mitzvahs are ruined, all their actions are ruined. It's it's a building built on a on a broken foundation. Okay, obviously there's a lot more to discuss in that, but let's go let's finish this piece. Um, yeah, so now very interestingly. How, how have we answered the question of anger? We've said actually there are two types of anger. There's destructive anger, which is out of anger. And then there's constructive anger, which is to um, influence your house, influence your family. Sometimes they do something or they're behaving in a certain way that you have to pretend to be angry. That's constructive anger and that would be where you hive on Shabbos. Um, yeah. You know, one further point just to do with this, elsewhere we see in the Bali Musa I speak about you could be very, very careful to guard people with fear. It sounds like a nice idea, people are a bit out of control. Shh, display anger, don't be obviously don't be angry yourself, but display anger. But they say it's very dangerous often to guard people. If people live in terror and live in fear, it's not a very healthy uh, a healthy environment and an environment conducive to good growth. So something to keep in mind, don't use the strategy too often. Um, okay, and then just an interesting discussion. So Rashi comes along and he says, well, once we've established this second part of anger and anger as a machlokes, Rebbe Yehuda and Rebbe Shimon, our Mishnah is um, Rebbe Shimon who says, Malachashe Shri Chalikufu, is potu. Sorry, we both. Sorry, sorry. We found the constructive anger. So constructive anger is tearing to show fear. Rashi says. So therefore, the mission is Rabbi Shimon who holds melacha shain shricha legufo patu. and the Bryce is Rabbi Yehuda says melacha shain shricha is chayav. He says we could give the same answer for tearing kriya. If you tear kriya, if you tear it, Rabbi Yehuda would hold you chayav because it's a melacha shain shricha legufo which you chayav, and Rabbi Shimon would hold you patu. Because, granted, you just have to be out of that situation where you need to do kriya. It's not because you actually want the kriya. Just on that, Toysa say an interesting point. He says, no, since it's for a mitzvah, it's considered gufa. Granted, you don't really want the jacket torn and you're tearing the jacket in response to something else. Yeah, Toysa hold that. Um, that since it's for a mitzvah, it's considered shichalagufu. So, Toysus and others have a different way of learning. Some say it's specifically by anger that you say that it is, um, the makhloikas is reviewed in Rabbi Shimon, but by Kriya, it is, uh, it depends, it's, uh, it's uh, we'd have to learn, like we originally learned the Mishnah, that it's for a person who you don't have to do Kriya for and that's, and you did Kriya anyway, that's makalkel. So that's the other way. And then there's a further way of learning is that it's, it's all one person. It's just different cases. The Mishnah is, is, is destructive from two aspects. It's someone who is tearing for no good reason. It's not a relative or a person that they have to do Kriya for. And it's someone who's out of anger, but real anger, which as we said is destructive, and therefore he would be potter. The briser, which says is chayv, is someone who's tearing for someone they have to do kriya for, and the mitzvah of kriya. And out of anger is this constructive anger, this positive anger. Okay, and based on those different ways of learning, you'll come out with slightly different... uh, Principles in these laws of Mekalkel and thing, but we don't have time to go into it now. Let's just do a few more lines with the Gemara. The Gemara once has taken this opportunity to discuss um, anger. It's going to mention and mourning a few more points. Anyone who so, Bishu, and Pazi, Omer Bishu, Kapora, Kola, Moire, Dimosal, Odom Kosher, anyone who cries tears over Adam Kosher, HaKadosh Bahu, Soifra, Momenich, Hashem counts them and places them in His treasure. house. as it says, Noidi, Sofarto, Otoh, you have counted my wanderings, you have counted my tears, you have placed my tears in your jag, in your jaw, and have and are we not in your safer anyone who is lazy or slack in giving a hesped for a chochom, he deserves to. Um, be buried and um, buried um, in his life. I uh, to, to die soon. She says. But I big wool nachlas, Regarding Yehoshua. Interesting enough, we know about Moshe's death. We know about Aaron's death. We don't read much about Yehoshua's death. It just says they buried him in big wool So, in the mountain of Efrayim lahar goash. The <inaudible> mountain of goash. And what is does gash is an allusion to melamed she grogash aleihem har the mountain wanted to kill them. Oh, why did the mountain want to kill them? Omribi, rebi chia barapa omribi. Says omribi chia barapa omribi yochan kol hamisatel beispero shel chochom. Um, Anyone who is slack in the of a He won't have long life. Mida mida, and it's mida keneged mida. She as it says, basosob Basically, the saying, Hashem judges Jews mida keneged mida. What's the mida keneged mida? If you don't show proper respect for Talmud chacham by giving him a proper eulogy, then you don't. Um, Um, yeah, you don't mourn that he's died, well then, has for shalom, that person who didn't mourn will die. Yeah. Now, just an interesting point I saw in the name of the Chasam Sofer, just we said that they came to bury Joshua and they buried him without any fan for anything. They didn't show proper respect and therefore, the mountain wanted to kill them. We're going to come a bit to this discussion a bit more now, but basically, the Chasam Sofer says, um, He says, it's a beautiful, he, he brings that, When else? where else do we see that a mountain, that the Jews were going to be killed by a mountain? So he saw it a few ago at Har Sinai. Hashem held the mountain over them and said, if you don't accept the Torah, you'll die under the mountain. And uh, he explains that we know that the Jews, the Torah, they were happy to accept. This is specifically regarding the Torah Shebalpeh, the oral Torah that, he is that the mountain that they had to be forced by the mountain. When a person doesn't show respect for a sage, for a sage, when he does, the Torah Shabbat stays the same. You walk into your cabin and you pull out your Humash and it's the same Humash. But when you have a sage who does, that's where the Torah Shabbat pairs. The Torah Shabbat pays in the heart of the sages. And that's what's lost. So if you don't say show proper respect for the say, for a sage who's died, you're showing a disregard for the Torah Shibal Peh. And that's the symbolism. That's the mountain that wants to that's hanging over us. Well at least up until the time of in the mountain that's hanging over, forcing the Jews to accept the Torah al Peh. Show proper respect to the Torah al Peh. Otherwise, yeah. Then just. We just said if someone doesn't give a hesped or mourn the death of a pious person sufficiently, they will die young. But it says by Yahshua that all the people served Hashem all the days of the Zechalim who had long days after Yahshua. Why should they have long days? You just told me if you don't mourn someone correctly, you. They, um, they die shortly. But we just read about these sages who didn't mourn Yeshua sure correctly and they died shortly. So, O'malai, Bavle, come on Babylonian, Yomim Shanim loirichu. It says their days were lengthened, but their life was not. Aye, they had good days, but they weren't a lot of days. Um, oh, but the Torah says, Hashem guarantee, uh, promises at the end of the second paragraph of Shema in order to increase your days and the days of your children. Is that telling us that we'll only have good days but not long days? No, bracha A bracha is different. If one of the brothers die, all the other brothers should die. If someone from your group Someone from a, a group dies, that whole group should be worried. Maybe there's something wrong with them, and that's why they slowly khasashul. I'm gonna start dying. omri the maize god omri the maize katan. Some say it's only it's specifically concerning if the greatest one dies. Well if the greatest one dies, then definitely the others have to worry, and some say it's specifically if the katan dies, because sometimes you start with the smallest and move up, giving them the greater ones time for tshuva. Okay. Um, just, yeah. You know, one interesting thing. So often we find, um, we the Brocha or we found that we touched on a little bit in Maseches Brachas, but um, of a good um, yomim visho, um, What's it? Long, long and good li- uh, days and years. So now from this Gemara we understand why we often use that phrase of good days and years, because days refers to the quality. And yours refers to the quantity. And therefore you want both. The Seattlere dema, we should sure, all, all have that. Um, okay, we'll leave it there for today.